0: Definitely at initial stage, at least 10% should be your marketing budget. Why 10%? to 10% may sound a little more, but because at an early stage, your revenue is less. So the when you put a little more money in brand building and advertising to increase the footfall, who at some point can be throughout your direct sales could be uh, converting to good customers. So initially about 10% in marketing revenue puts you at a, at, in the sweet spot where you are in front of customers.
1: Welcome to the Market and Grow Show. I'm your host, Islam. This is the show where we introduce you small businesses who have made innovative changes during challenging times. Listen on to discover their stories, celebrate their efforts, and hear the advice on how to thrive as a small enterprise in the digital age. Hey everyone! Welcome to the Market and Grow Show. Today I have with me Brahma Mishra. Brahma is the CEO and founder of Meat Monk. Uh, Brahma, thank you very much for being on our show. It's a pleasure. Okay, if you don't mind, uh, for our listeners, could you please introduce yourself and tell them who you are, what is it, you're, what problem you're trying to solve, and go from there.
0: Well, um, as you have already introduced me, I'm Brahma Mishra, founder CEO of Meat Monk. We have a couple of uh, different uh, verticals that we try to solve problems in, try to disrupt. One is healthcare, healthcare needs a lot of uh, reforms, a lot of technology, a lot of disruptions needed to to bring the prices down, to uh, make it more affordable to the mass. Um, Same is education. So these are the two verticals that we are focusing on. We started with uh, a disruption in technology in um, video conferencing. That we are on right now, it's similar. We are on Zoom right now. We have a similar product, but the beauty of the product is it's a single click, no installation needed, no plugins needed um, uh, platform. When you talk about telehealth, where um, patients come in to see a doctor say once in three months or once in six months, you don't expect them to install an application, take two hours to know all the nitty gritties and be ready. They should be able to kind of join in like two seconds, regardless of the devices they're in, regardless of the browsers they're on. So we developed uh, focusing uh, on that kind of customer segment on which they schedule an appointment, get a link, click on it, boom, they join, they talk and they exit. Once we did that, it was highly appreciated by the patients and the doctors alike, because nobody has time to kind of prepare 10 minutes in advance. So they just see a link, click on it and join. So we have actually been adopted by uh, you know a lot of doctors and uh, they have um, uh, recommended this platform to the patients and we're growing. Um, same trend we are seeing in the education field in which, uh, you need high security, but also at the same time, high flexibility. So those are the two segments we are kind of operating in right now.
1: Very nice. Uh, and if you, if you, if I may ask you, what's the reason behind choosing this line of products was, is there a compelling reason Were you frustrated with a certain product being out there?
0: Getting the name and not really delivering a good product well that's a great question well i'm not going to badmouth another product or any other product for that matter but i had a an earlier startup in education you know like a better part of my life my life i have been um, working in improving and improving the the quality of education for the underprivileged section of the society to kind of make available the high quality education at a very affordable price. Not only in the US, but also in um, other parts of the world, especially uh, for the underprivileged students in India, the tribal students in India. When my, I was working on my earlier startup that I sold uh, and moved out uh, to create this, I realized that we did not have at that point, The technology has changed now. We have some platforms available, but like six years ago, seven years ago, there was not a platform that could at a low bandwidth deliver on mass the ability of real time interaction between teachers and students. That's why I came up with this idea of delivering really low bandwidth, really high fidelity, virtual communication platform. And my other need was to make it, in true sense, language agnostic, that, again, no platform did at that time. So um, when I was working on it, I created this, and then COVID hit. Then, you know, a couple of doctor friends of mine and my advisors were like, hey, you have this platform, this perfectly fits in healthcare scenarios. Why not go for that? We already were highly secured, HEPA compliant, even though we didn't have HEPA certification, we are more than compliant in terms of both data um, uh, transmission, storage and uh, extraction. So we kind of pivoted a little bit without sacrificing our original goal of uh, catering to the students and teachers. So we kind of made slight tweaks and took it to the doctors and they loved it. So that's how (laughs) we are here today.
1: Oh, great. Uh, Brahma is basically, sounds like you're a man with a mission and you like, you know, helping people. So this kind of really fits into the whole thing.
0: Well, I'm trying. We are are all trying. The whole team is dedicated and they're working really hard to make this happen. One good thing I'll tell you that I told you about two goals. One, to make it available um, at the remotest part of the society and at a lower price. And the other part was making it, in true sense, language agnostic, that we just recently achieved. We have developed an algorithm right now that will seamlessly, real time, translate audio to a different language. So we are now catering to about six or seven languages. So for example, say, you are a doctor speaking only Spanish. Espanol. On the other side, we have a patient from, say, from, say, uh, Vietnam, speaking Vietnamese. Now, what happens? You have to bring in a translator, a human translator, which is one, expensive. Number two, there is there could be a potential privacy concerns because I am discussing my personal, you know, medical needs in presence of a third person. And three, the, the, the availability of a translator you may not have that person available for all the languages that needs to be translated. What we offer is at a very, very affordable cost, real-time translation seamlessly. So you speak, I hear in my language, I speak, you hear in your language. On top of that, the transcription is available real-time. The moment the the, uh, consultation is over, you click on a button and you see English and your language that you speak as a doctor. And I see in in English and my language that I see as a, that I speak as a patient, the whole transcript. So we just created the technology, and we are patenting it, of course. We are just rolling it out to a couple of our existing customers, and we are extremely excited about it. For the you know making my two goals come true, <laughs> both uh, making it affordable and um, language agnostic
1: all i can tell you is brahma i'm so happy that you agreed to be on this podcast because this is amazing and you know oftentimes people think low bandwidth is something you know developing country or underdeveloped countries but even here in the states i've seen people who are in i guess even in colorado i have a friend who lives up in the mountains and they don't get good internet Yeah, that's why you know Tesla has, Tesla has this or Starlink, right? Starlinks are so yeah. popular in the US because there are areas where we don't have high bandwidth, fast bandwidth, and we take it for granted. So I'm glad you are on this journey because it's really going to solve big problems. And especially as we were talking about the language agnostic translation, I was getting goosebumps because imagine, I mean, the doors, people are going to have access to healthcare without having to worry who is going to come to the doctors with me.
0: Exactly, I would be really annoyed, you know uh, when i when I see somebody listening into my conversation, uh, listening into my healthcare needs, and talking to the doctor on my behalf because I don't know what he or she is talking to, and you know I, that's that's the, um, yeah, I wouldn't be feeling comfortable, and that's why I want to bring this in where students where where, uh, where patients and doctors feel comfortable discussing their deepest uh, healthcare secrets and information at the same time it will be very easy on their pockets okay great okay now let's
1: jump into other areas of the discussion because as you know we are a marketing company this is a marketing uh, focus podcast so our listeners would want to know about your marketing strategy now you have a great product that's great but if people do not find out then they're not gonna know that your product can solve their needs. With that, what's your main strategy for customer acquisition? How are you getting a name out there in addition to, you know, word of mouth? Or even if you do word of mouth, how are you getting it done?
0: That's a great question. Great point, uh, Sajid. No product sells for itself. You have to actually put the product in front of the customers. And in order to do that, there are, you know, my of ways a lot of proven ways and some unproven unpaved uh, path that you take we are a b2b company so our and early stage of course so our main focus has been on in in sales direct sales and uh, word of mouth so i have done a lot of founder sales my advisors kind of um, have reached out and uh, spread the word of mouth, and then um, we have closed uh, our you know sales to our customers, and then we heavily focus on customer satisfaction so that we get their uh, word of mouth. And always, a customer's word of mouth has more value than the company's own um, advertising. However, we have realized that in order to grow, you know, grow. Um, uh, have an explosive growth, just founder sales won't, uh, <laughs> won't cut it. And uh, you have to have um, branding as well as uh, robust sales in place. We are working towards it. We have a sales uh, team uh, forming up and, and they're uh, doing their sales. At the same time, we, are, we have um, been focusing on three areas of brand building, three social networks, if you will. Google, both organic as well as uh, uh, pay-per-click then uh, uh, google advertising then we are focusing on we are doing linkedin because these are um, uh, professional decision makers in b2b sales scenario so uh, linkedin is kind of widely accepted um, among professionals then the third one is um, you know like as you know pictures speak a thousand words uh, and videos you know, are like thousand pictures at the same time. So YouTube, that's kind of the natural choice in which we, we have tons of YouTube videos, both free and also advertise that way, we put um, our, our brand um, in front of the potential customers. Okay, great. Um,
1: So a couple of things, and I want to ask you, and if it's okay for me to ask what percentage of your revenue or your budget, are you allocating towards marketing? I'm not going to ask you the exact number, so I'm just asking you for percentage.
0: That's good. I mean, I'm okay. I'm comfortable disclosing that. Again, I would say roughly between 10 to 12%. Okay. And for other founders and
1: business owners listening to this podcast, what's your advice to them? Is this a rule of thumb? Did you do like, is this just like a gut feeling I'm going to go with, or did you get advisors telling you, hey, go with 10 to 12%?
0: Yes, so we have done a couple of things. We started uh, kind of low-balling a little bit and then went out, kind of we were, we were testing out to see um, how the conversions would be, how people would come into, how the footfall would be. That's more like with an imperial, empirical results um, that we have uh, come to a, this 10 to 12%. And also we have a couple of advisors who have run such businesses in past. They have successfully exited um, their businesses. So they, advertise, they they help us saying um, their advice has been that at the at least initial stage and going forward maybe, but it definitely at initial stage, at least 10% should be your marketing budget. Why 10%? But 10% may sound a little more, but because at an early stage, your revenue is less. So the when you put a little more money in brand building and advertising to increase the footfall, who at some point can be throughout your direct sales, could be converting to um, actual, uh, good um, sales, you know, good customers. So initially about 10% in marketing revenue puts you at, a, at in a sweet spot where you are in front of customers, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love it. I, I mean, you know, this is exactly uh, what I wanted you to share with our listeners because they will benefit from it. Because I think starting off, a lot of businesses make this mistake of, hey, I'm just starting off, I'm going to spend 5% or I'm going to like you know uh, be cheap and I'm going to just do it organically. You know, people do. We are a startup, let's just like, you know, duct tape it and do duct tape marketing. But I'm glad that you went with the higher number.
0: Right. I mean, the temptation was always there that uh, I would rather spend this budget on product development than on, on marketing and sales. But like I said, what I realized is that you know, you can work on your product improvement for next hundred years, but still you will not um, be out there unless, you know, customers start start recognizing you. And the only way to, well, not only way, but one of the most important way, uh, easiest way to be in front of the customers is uh, by spending a little bit more money and uh, doing um, a good job in advertising. My ex-boss, when I was working, my ex-boss told me one thing that, Best is the enemy of good. And many of the, especially technical founders like myself, I come from a technology background and I I can do product development in my sleep. Marketing is not intuitive to me. But what I've learned is if I keep fine-tuning the product, I can spend all my um, time, energy, and money on it, but still nobody will buy it unless I put it in front of the customers, potential customers. Very good, very good. Now let's talking about marketing, uh, let's talk about the
1: marketing team. Uh, You mentioned that you are an early stage. So I take it that you are not doing the marketing by yourself, you don't have an internal team. Can you talk a little bit about that and your thought process on why you chose to, I guess,
0: look outside first and then bring a build a team inside? Yeah, your your guess is uh, right on. Um, we, We are looking for a CMO, Chief Marketing Officer. We don't have one yet. Um, and uh, again, being budget sensitive, being, being, um, you know, trying to keep the um, expenses low. At this point, we have we have hired a third party, and third party uh, provider, third party um, this marketing company helps us in uh, not so much in strategy but more in execution. Execution in uh, two different ways. They they do the organic like SEO part of it and also um, the advertising part. So they kind of take care of both the sides. They have both the sides of the houses you know, internal to them. So for us, it makes it easier because they come with probably 20 years of uh, experience in doing that. So they know better than we do in terms of how to exactly execute. Number two, they're cost-effective because we don't hire them full-time on our payroll. And number three, they're accountable to us in terms of performance. I just track the parameters and see, okay, they're, they're doing well, and you know I see what I need to see every month, and uh, um, that works out for us at this point. Probably next year, uh, early 2020, late 22 or early 2023, we'll be hiring a CMO and uh, kind of taking it in-house. At that point, I expect to kind of allocate more budget to marketing and uh, take it forward, but, uh, but at this point, this third party company is doing really well. This uh, um, advertising company is doing really well for us.
1: Okay, great. So, what I wanted to ask you is for any business owner who's listening to the show and is wondering how do I pick a good agency? How do I pick a good third party? What advice
0: would you give them? Well, every um, business scenario is different. And uh, what I, I can tell you what I did, and maybe they can take a leaf from my book. What um, what I have done is I um, I reached out to my friends and acquaintances that are running businesses in different domains, different verticals, and asked for references. Then I reached out to those references and asked for their case studies, their success stories, and talked to them and then finalized on one. And then uh, I kind of signed a contract for three months to see their performance, how they're actually um, delivering on what they're promising to deliver. And then this, uh, these guys that are providing us this service, uh, they did very well. And, so, uh, uh, and I, I decided to continue with them. So I think the, the two key points are taking references from other business owners that have done that and uh, because that's a success story right there and uh, number two asking you know talking to them feeling that uh, you know that connection with that company because they may be successful for another but, but they may not be successful for you having that interpersonal relationship they they understand you they understand your vision which is important they understand your goal and then work with you very nice now
1: are, you mentioned you know they've taken everything off of execution off of your play played so is does that mean that you know you touched on youtube so they're creating youtube videos for you uh they're creating organic content and they're running
0: google ads as well No, well, this is a good point they create some content and then our we have designers in house which who, who create uh, the other content so for example we created a um a nice interview video video having you know interviews with our students teachers and uh Uh, school uh, principals and directors on the the education side of our uh, platform, for which, of course, they would not be doing a good job because these are real students and uh, parents and uh, teachers. So we created this video for ourselves, and then we um, shared the video for them to um, advertise. So these kind of things we create in-house, but there are some other like generic videos that are you know um, the other digital contents that we entrust them to create for us.
1: Cool. So, what's your what are your biggest challenges or pain points for your company at this time?
0: Well, probably it's um, true for all the early stage startups, and that is uh, to maintain to manage that tight rope uh, walk on um, on balancing uh, uh, revenue budget profitability um, making sure your um, growth plan is uh, supported well enough uh, by funding as well as um, uh, customer acquisition because it's always there's a big trade off you have to balance it's a it's a very tough balancing act how much is how much spend is too much how much is too much in terms of market spend, And how much is too much in terms of um, your R&D, your, your innovation, and all that? Um, so that has been um, a big balancing act. And the main the pain point at this point is, of course, uh, acquiring new customers. Well, I would say it's a, it's a, it's a good pain to have. Uh, so <laughs> expansion is always a pain. Acquiring customers, uh, catering to their needs, having wonderful uh, customer satisfaction is always tough to achieve. But uh, again, this is a good thing to have. Very nice. I don't know if that's what you're looking for or did I answer your question correctly?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You touched on, I mean, again, you know, I don't want you to open the kimono and the go everything. Oh oh my God, like, you know, the world is on fire, which in an entrepreneurial life, in a business life, that happens. Like things happen, ups and downs happen. But at a minimum, I wanted to hear what are the some of the challenges you have right now And you touched on something I think everyone can connect to because we all have to walk on the tightrope. We have to figure out, it's a balancing act, right? Even if if you go to a billion dollar company, they're still trying to figure out where do we spend, where do we
0: not spend, allocating budgets, things like that. Uh, i if if I had infinite budget, I would probably put 2000 people on uh, innovation have product that nobody can compete with. But we achieved that, we we can't do everything. So we took one part, which is like language translation, seamless translation that nobody has done real time with transcription, we did that. We spent some money, but we saw there's a lot of ROI on it, very good ROI on it. And then the rest we've spent on um, our human resources, our advertising, also, like I said, it's a real tight uh, rope walk, but uh, we are trying to do as best as we can.
1: But I'm, I feel like, you know, I think you chose the right priority, if you ask me again. I'm not an expert in the, on this topic, but just listening to the, you know, solution about the real-time transcription, it's our real-time, you know, even if language agnostic uh, translation and transcription, it's amazing. I mean, you know, yes, I don't think anyone has done it. Who knows? Maybe you will get some unsolicited offers as well, but I'm
0: not going to go there right now. Well, let's let's see how it goes. Well, um, there is another part uh, to it. We do have Google translation. We do have um, you know that part kind of existing. What is not there is kind of having that seamless translation and you know recognizing sentence breaks with use of AI and ML, artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning, kind of delivering close to real life speech. Meaning, if I say how are you? In Spanish, uh, you translate to ¿Cómo estás? I'm, I'm, I don't know Spanish that well, but I know one or two sentences I could be um, you know, uh, saying wrong, but say estás?" Right, but then you pause and you say another sentence. But when you continuously speak a paragraph, how does the machine interpret it, understand it and translate it to a different language, not only translation in voice, but also in script? So, those are the um, things that are kind of not um, entirely out there. Um, So, that's what we have tried to do.
1: Okay, very nice. Uh, One last question before we sign off. Uh, And I think, and I really want you to kind of share your uh, advice. You touched on marketing spend. Of the 10% that you have allocated towards marketing, what percentage of that 10% is actually overhead? and others are like actually creating content and creating ads that goes directly into the market. Have you ever looked into that? How do you sp-
0: split that up? Well, I would say the 10 or 12% that we spend includes both uh, the delivery, which is actual advertisement and the creation of the content by third party. I would say at this point, I, um, 30, 70, could be like a rough ballpark figure, 30% in creation, 70% in actual um, advertising. Okay, cool. And, uh, but there are also some contents created in-house, like I said, and those are kind of observed outside of those, uh, you know, that 10, 12% budget. Um, that I've not really looked into, how, how much that makes up to.
1: Right, and again, that's your team building it, and
0: again, you have the probably the domain knowledge, so. The one domain knowledge and then number two is actual going to actual customers and getting their feedback, which is kind of more authentic to make it more uh, genuine. So we do that, which third party, provide, you know, uh, uh, content providers cannot do of course, because they don't know our customers and they don't cannot get their interviews. Uh, but yes, but that's more like our um, in-house fixed cost. Cool.
1: So Brahma, we are at the closing segment of our podcast. Oh sure. So if anyone is interested and
0: wants to follow you, how can they find you? I am on LinkedIn. And also if you if anybody wants, they can reach out directly to me or on my email, which is Brahma B R A H M A dot Mishra, my last name, M I-S-H-R A at meetmonk.com. I would be really glad to um, connect with uh, other like-minded people, other entrepreneurs, um, other people that are dreaming to be entrepreneurs someday, because I have been through that stage. I know it takes a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifice, both on a professional and a personal level. Your family has tried just, there are so many things going on there. So I would love to be of any help I can.
1: Thank you so much, Brahma, for taking the time to talk to us today. Again, what we will do is we'll make sure we put the link to your LinkedIn profile. I'm not sure about you know email address because I think you will end up getting a lot of spam as well, um, unless you love spam. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> okay. But I will definitely put a link to, for our listeners to uh, follow you on LinkedIn and then they can take it from there. Thank you very much for uh, making the time to be on the show today.
0: Thank you, Sajid, for um, the opportunity uh, to speak on your wonderful uh, channel, on your podcast channel. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for real nice probing questions and uh, it was a pleasure answering your questions and I really look forward to seeing it on on YouTube and wherever you put. But again, thank you so much for uh, having me on your channel. Oh, you're welcome.
1: Thank you for tuning into the Market and Grow Show. It was a pleasure to serve you all and share the story of a resilient small business. Hit the subscribe button so that you'd receive a notification every time we release a new episode.